0: Mud Stories, Episode Fifty
1: Three. You mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again.
2: You know, there's just a lot in this world that I can't control. And I said, there has to be, you know, some greater kind of order to all of this because this is just too much for me to handle. And it was just hard to process at 23, it was humbling. And I just had to say, there's something more, there's something bigger out here. There has to be a reason for this. And, And that's when I really started saying, you know, you know, just just God bless America because, you know, I, I know the world that I, br- I grew up in and how lucky I was to be sheltered and to be in this, you know, great environment of loving parents and family and schools and, you know, order and law. And then to see these kids who, you know, interact just didn't have the same things as, as, and didn't have the same understanding, knowledge or opportunities. And it was just sad to me. So I just said, man, like, God bless America.
0: Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Mud Stories Podcast, episode 53, the very first episode of the second year of this podcast. And I cannot be more excited for the beginning of this second year. And I remember it was exactly one year ago today that I launched the Mud Stories Podcast, episode one. And I'll never forget that feeling of nervousness and apprehension and wondering, will this matter? Will anyone come and listen? And you guys, you came and you listened and you stuck with me each and every week as these guests came to share their vulnerable and transparent, muddy, messy stories with us, all so that we could have hope that no matter what we were facing, we are not alone. And today will be no exception. And in fact, this podcasting journey is due in large part to the mentors that I had along the way. Some of them online, some of them in real life. And today, to celebrate this first episode of the second season of the Mud Stories podcast, I have John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire here to join us and share some of his mud that he's faced in his life. So, for those of you who don't know who John Lee Dumas is, let me catch you up. He is a podcaster, an entrepreneur, and a veteran of the United States Army who resides in San Diego with his better half, Kate. And- And John mentors and assists so many in podcasting and webinar hosting, other business, entrepreneurial journeys, masterminds. And he just helps so many of us take action to realize our dreams can come true with discipline, determination, and hard work. Now, John in this episode shares a little bit of his past journey growing up in the state of Maine, graduating from high school, attending Providence College in Rhode Island on an ROTC scholarship, and entering the United States Army as a second lieutenant. And then he was deployed in 2003 and 2004 on a 13 month tour to Iraq and led a platoon of 16 men in the first marches west after Baghdad was conquered in the height of of the post nine eleven war with Iraq. And so after he returned from the field, he traveled a bit, uh, tried some law school, some other corporate finance, real estate, and eventually had his aha moment to begin his own business entitled Entrepreneur on Fire. And John hosts a award-winning podcast with the same name, Entrepreneur on Fire. And every day, seven days a week, John releases an episode highlighting the journey of an entrepreneur and w- the challenges they faced and what they've learned along the way. And this last week, he just released his 1000th episode of Entrepreneur on Fire, which I put a link to in the show notes. And I'm just so very glad he's here. He has some stories to share with us about his time in Iraq and what he learned along the way, including, you know, some tips and advice for those people people who have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder, recovery from re-entry after military service, and just ways to be transparent and communicate with others around you as you're facing your mud. And so it is with greatest delight, I offer to you my conversation in celebration of this second year of podcasting, my conversation with John Lee Dumas. Enjoy. Hey, John, welcome to Mud Stories. I'm so glad you're here.
2: Jackie, this has been a long time coming. I'm fired up. I'm prepared to ignite.
0: (laughs) You're hilarious. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here because one year ago, I began a podcasting journey, mainly inspired by you and your friend, Pat Flynn. And uh, you both inspired me to actually take some action with the passion that was inside me and what I felt called to give back to the world through podcasting. And so, right up front I just want you to know last week I released my episode 52 concluding my first full year of podcasting one time every single week and you have to know it's in large part it was possible because of your generous tutoring and mentoring and I can honestly say I would not have come this far at this pace without your guidance and help so just thank you for all the hard work and consistent inspiration that you and Kate give to so many I'm just so thankful.
2: Well, Jackie, you use that word consistent and that's a tribute to you. I mean, to be able to be consistent for a full year, 52 episodes in 52 weeks, that's hugely commendable. And I love seeing the success stories that, you know, come out of Podcasters Paradise and just other places. Like, cause it's you, Jackie. I mean, you're now reaching people that I will and would never have reached. And you've heard me talk about the ripple effect before, but it's so important to me Absolutely. to know that, that your voice is now impacting people that I would never be able to, and I'm glad to be a part of that.
0: Well, I'm just thrilled to have met you and come across you, and so I just am so thankful. And hey, listen, I hear we have Maine in common because my dad grew up in Gardner, Maine, which is, you know, just south of Augusta. I think you're from somewhere more south than that in Maine, but hey, I'm feeling you on the lobster-loving, (laughs) crab-eating, you know, seafood thing. Uh, We grew up eating seafood, and I just... Love the heritage that comes from the East Coast. So
2: there's a reason why they say Maine is the way life should be. I'm uh, right outside of Kenny Bunk, is where I grew up. I just got back there actually from. For a, It was an 18-day um, hangout slash vacation in Maine, and it was a blast. And I've been to Gardner many times. I know that area. I love it well, and it's just a great state.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Also, I think we have something else in common, and it's on my mind right now because I have a nephew who has just entered the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. and he is in his third week of boot camp as a freshman. And um, today I'll be sending him his 21st letter from me in a row. I'm committed to writing him and encouraging him through boot camp. And I know you have some background um, in ROTC and and serving in our country. And so I just wanted to thank you for that just up front, too, because I know that's part of your story.
2: Well, number one, I... Hugely appreciate your appreciation. It really means a lot. And yeah, I did uh, four years active duty as a U.S. Army officer in armor, which was tanks, and then another four years in the reserves. And I can tell you, during my 13-month tour of duty in Iraq, the letters from home meant everything to me. And what was really interesting is that my my definitely my extended family was really, really supportive and committed the, the entire way through. But There were definitely a few creams that that rise to the top that I wouldn't have (laughs) expected. You know, leaving I wouldn't I wouldn't have been like you know this uncle and that great aunt and you know I I wouldn't have expected them to just be so committed to just staying in touch with me. You know, knowing that I needed that kind of uh, support and and every single time I see them and you know my deployment to Iraq was 13 months but it was 13 years ago. Um, so crazy even to think about. But you know it was a long time ago. It was back in the beginning of the war. 2003, 2004, every time I see them to this day still, even though it was over a decade ago, I say, thank you for what you did for me when I was in Iraq. And, and, and it means a lot. So what you're doing, Jackie, keep it up, girl.
0: Well, thanks, because, you know, my husband was like, you're going to write him every day. And I said, yeah, I'm going to write him every day. He has no phone. You know, teenagers these days, they're all about texting, yep. you know, connected online. They don't know snail mail or anything like that. And so I thought, you know what? Even though, you know, my contact with my nephew has not been the closest. I mean, we, no. live you know, we see each other on holidays and, vac- you know, vacations and stuff like that. But I thought, you know, This is going to be the hardest thing he's ever faced going from, you know, high school live to hardcore Air Force Academy boot camp. And it has to be plain white paper with a plain white envelope because, you know, they Mm -hmm. have to read it standing in front of everyone. These things I'm learning. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just write them out what I'm doing today, you know, took the kids to the pool or whatever I did. And uh, I think... I think you're right. It is mattering much more than I thought it ever would. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of it for him. So I'm just praying for him every day and it can't be an easy experience.
2: No, I can tell you straight up. I can guarantee you. In fact, 20 years from now, he's going to look you in the eye and he's going to number one, he's going to say one of two things He's going to say, Jackie, like those letters meant the world to me. I never forgot them. And, and that's a guarantee. But number two, he might even go, go as far because this could be the case and say, hey, Jackie, like those letters were a big part of me making it through. You know, mm. that one just tangible connection to home means so much. It means the world. And and again, you know, just to say, you know, a big shout out to everybody who ha- who is serving yes. and, who a- and who has served, but specifically, you know, who is currently serving. Because, you know, for me as a veteran, you know, I, I know what I did in the service, you know, as far as supporting this country and protecting this country, and, and I stand behind all of that. And to be able to now kind of step into what I'm doing for, as an entrepreneur yeah. um, is, is, is it's I have nothing but the greatest respect for those that are now younger than me that are stepping up into those roles and they're just the best men and women, you know, in this country. I live here in San Diego, you know, I can look to my left and I see Mexico. And, you know, nothing against Mexico, but, you know, there's drug cartels there, there's dangerous things that are going on. On, and I know that, you know, it's Coronado Base here in San Diego that is keeping, you know, the fire studio producing an episode day. That's right.
0: <laughs> and our freedom was bought for a price. And uh, we, we can't forget that. So, yeah, I'm super, super stoked for him that he got into the Air Force Academy. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of him. So anyway, not easy. not easy, not easy. OK, well, here at Mud Stories, John, we talk about the mud. We go deep fast. We don't talk Lightly, sorry taking, to take you you're deep fast, a cue buddy. For
2: me, when I say, "What's your worst entrepreneurial <laughs> moment?" Like right now, the person's like, "I haven't even got to say hello yet." I'm like, "I don't care." You're like, "Let's get to it."
0: <laughs> so you know, we face in life the real deal is adversity and suffering. Places we live inside of ourselves and our soul, and um, it's sometimes those hardest times. We often think, you know, what good can ever come from this? What redeeming factor can be had. And here at this podcast, we talk about the ways that God really meets us in those hard places, in ways that looking back, we can have a perspective to know that um, He is working all things for good, even though it doesn't feel like it at the time. So out of your life experience, I'd love it if over the course of the next few minutes you would share with us some of the mud that you've you faced and some ways that it was so hard, some ways you, you were feeling at the time, and then in retrospect how you can see that it actually was God working it for good in your life.
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting topic, and I actually kind of love the theme that We've already kind of established here, you know, about military and service and mm-hmm. what that means. So I think I'm just going to kind of stick with it because that definitely was, yeah, it was definitely one of the first mud stories I've gone through. And there's been a ton, definitely. And there's plenty ahead of me as well. That's just a reality. But, you know, for me, um, you know, I grew up, you know, I was baptized. We we went sporadically to a Unitarian church, you know, which is a very liberal church. And so I had some exposure to church and to God and to these things, but not a ton. You know, my, my family wasn't what you would consider religious, but it was always there in the household. My, my grandmother... Grandmothers on both sides were actually a lot more so. And that's kind of where I learned my Hail Marys and my Our Fathers and all right. those things for sure. But it wasn't a huge part of my life. And so then at 22, when I deployed to Iraq and I was in charge of 16 men and four tanks, you know, so it was, it was a very combat heavy deployment where, you know, we were rolling through the streets of Fallujah. And, you know, you spoke of that ultimate sacrifice and actually four of my 16 men gave that ultimate sacrifice. And and, and that was on me. You know, I was the platoon leader. So, hard. you know, yeah, so hard. And and it was incredibly difficult for a 23 and 24 year old, which is the ages I was during that deployment.
0: And you went in as an officer, right? Because you yeah. had graduated through the ROTC program. So you exactly. were the leader straight out of college
2: graduated as a second lieutenant. So immediately I was given that platoon. And, you know, the it's crazy because, you know, the, the, your platoon is made up of 18 to 45 year olds and, and every number in between, basically, because uh, that's just how the makeup of a platoon is. You know, your sergeant is going to be 45, but your private is going to be 18, 19 or 20. Mm. So there was plenty of people younger and plenty of people older than me in that. So it's it's a really interesting dynamic to come out and to do that. And then even add on top of that, war, you know, which is just the ultimate.
0: Well, and that was in the height of when we were invading and going after Saddam Hussein and all of that, right?
2: The height of, yeah, after 2001, right? Yeah. The height of it. So Mm -hmm. it was right after that It was in 2003 and 2004. And we were actually the first soldiers to push West of Baghdad. So, I mean, we were, Mm. you know, looking at people who had never seen Americans before or, you know, like tanks of our, of our, you know, stature and all this stuff. So it was a really crazy time. And again, go over those 13 months having lost four soldiers was, was an incredibly trying time for me. And, and one thing that I did, you know, very consistently is, is I wrote a weekly letter home and I just sent it to my parents and then my parents then distributed it to the entire family who was, you know, obviously very interested to know what was up with me. And I, and, and I didn't start ending it with like the first couple of months, but after like two or three months I started ending every one of those letters and I did for the rest of the 13 month deployment with God bless America. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why I started doing that at the time. And, you know, my parents even commented on, it. they said, you know, Hey John, like, we don't think anything's wrong with this. But we're just kind of curious. Like what's, you know, made you start putting God bless America at the end of every single one of your letters. And I, so I, I kind of then sat back and thought about it and I said, man, you know, there's just a lot in this world that i can't control that i'm currently in right now mm-hmm. you know i don't know where the ieds are which are the improvised explosive devices you know as we're rolling down the street i don't know you know if that person you know walking towards us it has you know tnt strapped around their stomach or if they're just looking to you know Ask me for a bottle of water. You know, both things happen multiple times. So at the point, you just don't know. So there's so much randomness in every war, but especially in this kind of war, where we were just in the civilian. There was no known enemy. There were no trenches. You know, there was no lines. It, you know, we were just in the culture, and we were really just. It was just like everything was so random, and i no like, idea who the enemy even is. No idea. And I said there has to be, you know, some greater. Kind of order to all of this because this is just too much for me to handle. And, you know, knowing that, you know, like I was supposed to go out on this mission and got called back last minute because, you know, one of our, you know, tires was low in air. And so the other platoon went out and that platoon leader, whose exact position I would have been in, you know, was killed in action because he was the first person and they hit this. Um, IED that just took out the entire vehicle and everybody in the vehicle died and that that would have been me. You know, that was the route we were going. And, and it just was like, okay, just because my tire was losing air, like I'm still alive. And it was just hard to process as a 23. It was humbling. And I just had to say, there's something more, there's something bigger out here. There has to be a reason for this. and mm-hmm. And that's when I really started saying, you know, you know, just, just God bless America. Because, you know, I, I know the world that I I grew up in and how lucky I was to be sheltered and to be in this, you know, great environment of loving parents and family and schools and, you know, order and law. And then to see these kids who, you know, interact just didn't have the same things as, as, and didn't have the same understanding, knowledge, or opportunities. And it was just sad to me. So I just said, man, like, God bless America. Like we, you know, number one is, is a huge lottery and, you know, just to be born in life. But, you know, that that secondary lottery is, you know, being born in a place like, you know, the United States of America. you like, you just won like the lottery of the lottery. It's like winning, you know, like Powerball, but then waking up the next morning and realizing that you just won like 10 Powerballs. And, you know, the next, the next day, it's just like impossible to do, but you've done it. And, and I just didn't never realize that. You know, because I was in this environment. So I started saying, man, I'm so fortunate to have been born where I was and to live, live the life. And I'm so fortunate to be able to, to now try to protect that, you know, and to see what happens, you know, you know, in 2000, September 11th, 2001, and, and how, you know, we're not this, you know, protected, isolated country that, you know, we are vulnerable and we do need to take the fight to our enemies, to protect this great country that we have. And so, you know, God bless America came out from that and and it's never and uh, it never stopped for the remaining 13 months.
0: Wow. How is it that you think uh, when we're in those kind of moments like you were, you know, over there in Iraq where you really have little control over many things? I mean, there were a lot of variables that you just couldn't even anticipate. You know, it's one thing to be able to be strategic when you know what you're trying to be strategic against, but you had no control. How do you think in our muddy places, our need for God is heightened when we don't have as much control?
2: I think it really just kind of goes back to number one, one of the, you know, our, our major things as, you know, when you go back to that innate, and when you're born as a human, you know, there's, there's just a few things that you really just innately, like your instincts desire, you know, and that's food, water, and shelter. And and, you know, so you get the food and you get the water and that's kind of squared away. But now, you know, as humans, we're always looking for that shelter, that place that that's warm at night, that's out of the rain when it rains. Like we, we want that protected area. And then when that protected area is taken away, like it was for me, you know, and I, all of a sudden I was just in this environment that was no longer shelter. It was actually a very dangerous place. You know, I, I was woken up, you know, with mortar um, bombs, you know, being dropped on my barracks at night sleeping, you know, so mm. there's there's no place that was safe. And when that shelter is taken away, you know that's really scary. And so, when that third level, which is one of the three key levels, is taken away from you, you know it's just it's a muddy place. And and we, as humans, strive to rectify that muddy place. But unfortunately, again, in modern warfare, when you're in the battle, when you're in the fight, when you're in theater there's no shelter, you know, there's nothing. There's snipers, there's bombs that are being dropped from the sky, there's, you know, there's bombs that are that are buried under roads that you, you're never going to see that are going to, you know, and, and it's just, and it's crazy. When that's taken away, you, you just, you yearn for that, that shelter again. And so that's why I can so clearly remember when I landed after 13 months, you know, back in Kansas, because I was stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas, stateside, you know, just getting on my hands and knees and like just giving a big old smooch to the, to the, to the airport asphalt, you know, just being like, I am so thankful to be back within shelter. I'm curious, those
0: four men that paid that ultimate sacrifice that were in your platoon, did they all die at one time in one event or was it sporadically throughout your time? there? Uh, Yeah.
2: You know, neither would have been a great scenario, obviously, but it was very difficult because it was spread out. It was almost like every two or three months over the deployment, it happened, so. And then I imagine there's
0: grief that's going on with the whole platoon, I mean, and you're the leader of that. How have you moved through that mud, that grief, that loss in honoring them? Have you kept in touch with their families? What did that mud look like for you even now?
2: Yeah, the mud was tough because, you know, when you're part of a platoon and part of a company and, and even just your military in general, you know, you get to know the families. And you know, one of the, you know, one of the 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 men who paid the ultimate sacrifice had given, you know, his wife had given birth to a daughter that he never saw. Like he never saw that daughter. And I remember that, you know, she was obviously the, the wife was obviously devastated on so many levels. But she continued to, you know, to be very active and sending our platoon care packages and updates of the kid, of the child, you know, his mm-hmm. daughter um, and all those different things. So, you know, that was a very, very trying time for the platoon to know that, man, here's a woman who's being as brave as she can, you know, she's, she's lost her, her husband and it was very inspiring. And, and we kind of used that to, you know, as some light, you know, in this very dark cloud. And so coming back from Iraq, I mean, there was, you know, there was definitely PTSD, you know, which is post-traumatic stress syndrome and, you know, yes. which is, very prevalent to a lot of people who have served in a in a in a theater of war and, and other scenarios that are similar to a theater of war and and that was definitely prevalent for me and you know I definitely had to to seek the proper avenues you know I was 26 years old so it was 10 years ago um, I had a lot less you know maturity and understanding than I than I do now just from the fact that I was 10 years younger I had a decade less under my belt and so you know I I, I definitely did take the right steps and sought out counseling when I needed it and the army. Does a decent job with the reintegration and, you know, and not great, because that's not what the army does. You know, it's not they're not meant to do that, unfortunately. They're not equipped to, you know, you know, the army's meant to fight wars. And that's what they do. Um, but now we have this situation that's really become very prevalent into light, and and they're doing a lot of great things about it. So there was that was definitely mud that I had to deal with for years. And, you know, I remember the first six months that I was back from Iraq, I would wake up in the middle of the night, no dreams, but just just sopping sweat, you know, like my whole entire bed would just be drenched. And it was just like, but it, that never happened while I was in Iraq. It only happened when I came back. It was almost just like, it was this 13 months of just, just anxiety and stress was just all releasing itself, you know, kind of in my like deep REM sleep or something. I never had like night, uh, nightmare terrors, but I, you know, like that I could remember, but it must've been happening kind of like without my knowledge. Cause maybe it just would have been too much. And, and I was just at one time, I had to you know ask myself. I mean, is this ever gonna end? I didn't know if I was ever going to go through a night without having to like change my sheets because of just just drenching the bed with sweat. I mean, it was you. It really looked like a bucket of water was poured on there, and it was crazy. Well, PTSD
0: is a real thing. I will say, as a oh, nurse, yeah. I've. I've taken care of patients who are struggling, and I take care of women in labor and delivery, so a lot of them have gone through the trauma of um, domestic violence or some kind of um, childhood trauma as well. But um, it's a real thing, and I'm glad that you sought out the counseling. How would you say, you know, if you could encourage anybody today who maybe has family members who are reintegrating from military service or really any PTSD situation, how would you encourage them – to really deal with their mud, seek counseling, and what role has God continued to play as you've reintegrated and healed and seen some redemption from those hard things?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the best thing that anybody can do when they want to support somebody that they think might have gone through something like that is to just, you know, be there and really look them in the eye and say, listen, I I, I really want to sit down and talk to you about this. Like I know you're keeping a lot of things inside and I know that you might not want to talk to me about it and I, may, I know you might not feel good about talking about it and I know that you might be bearing some things that would come out if we did sit down and talk. But, you know, just know that those kind of conversations, the more that they can come out, the better. Because I think that was one of the problems that I didn't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. and That's the reason why I had those those night terror sweats.
0: was all internalized, yeah. For so
2: long, because it was all internalized. Yeah. And it was all just bunched up inside me. So just not just like, you know, it's it's tough coming back from a place like a theater of war because, you know, especially nowadays, because nothing, you know, life didn't really change in the United States, you know, when, when the war was in Iraq. It wasn't like, you know, World War one or two in Europe when, you know, just... The actual continent of Europe, everybody felt the war, you know, it was coming through their towns, you know, they were getting bombed in London and in Paris, like the civilians felt it too. There's none of that in the Iraq war. So it's so weird to come back and just, you know, have your mother be like, all right, well, I'm going to the supermarket today. Do you want to come? And being like, like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You're going to the supermarket today. That's so weird. Like, that's just so normal life. So just, you know, not having the, you know, those close to you just kind of brush off like what you've yeah. done. They
0: don't have the perspective you just experienced.
2: Right. Yeah. And, you know, and they might be thinking they're doing the right thing by just kind of keeping it hush hush. But the reality is, you know, we, you know, we really want to have those conversations. We want to get these things off our chest. We want yeah. our loved ones to know what we've been through. And, and those conversations aren't easy to have. And you may have to kind of pull them out at first, but they're much better to have had had.
0: Well, and it's validating. It helps you feel seen yeah. and known and and that what you experienced was real. And to have the sympathy of others is so key. And I think sometimes just being in someone's presence, if they're not ready to talk, just say, you know, I'm not leaving you. I'm with you. I'm in this for the long haul. I think that means a lot to people, too. Um, totally. When you face mud nowadays, what tends to be your go to
2: Yeah. You know, when I face mud, honestly, it's, it's all about communication. It's all about facing that mud head on, not trying to bury it with inside, you know, having that open and honest conversation, you know, with anybody who I know, like, and trust about that topic, if it has to do with them, you know, bringing it to light as soon as possible, If it just has to do with, with me, you know, asking their advice, asking their, if they've been through that, if they could, you know, maybe share somebody that would be a good resource for me. So it's always bringing the mud to the surface for me is is the important thing.
0: Transparency. Just be
2: as transparent as possible and just be as honest as possible and just always bring it to light.
0: Well, I appreciate you so much. And I think one of the things that I love about you and Kate and your mission at Entrepreneur on Fire is that you believe in giving. You believe in generosity and honesty and transparency. And those are characteristics of humility that I value so very much. And so thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you and For you to start off as my episode 53 of my second year of podcasting, I can't be more honored.
2: Well, congrats, Jackie. I love the voice and the message and the mission that you're sharing with the world. So uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks. Have an awesome day. Take care. So that's all for this episode. I'm so super thankful. Seriously. For John Lee Dumas and the inspiration that he's been to me and to so many others. And you guys, if you want to check him out and all his resources, he is a goldmine of resources. If you want to start a blog or a business, if you want to learn how to do webinars, if you want to learn how to podcast, so many people uh, have well, not so many, a few people have emailed me and asked me, hey, Jackie, what do you recommend about podcasting? What equipment do you recommend? What do you use to record? All of these sorts of things. I always, always, always send them to John Lee Dumas's site, Entrepreneur on Fire. And in fact, he has a podcasting course that's free. And I've linked to that in the show notes. You can check that out. I also put a video there of him sharing his journey, how he had that aha moment to begin Entrepreneur on Fire. And So if this sort of thing interests you, I have all the links in the show notes. You can find them always at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 53. And truly, he's so inspiring. I mean, over $300,000 of income last month alone. And so check him out. He's pretty incredible. And I hope, too, that this inspired you to... Get reacquainted with your gratitude for the military men and women who serve our country and allow us to have and enjoy the kind of freedom that we do. I'm so very thankful. I'm still writing my nephew. And, you know, if you think of it, say a prayer for him. His name is Jake. He is, you know, got three more weeks of boot camp to go. And I'd be so grateful if you'd pray for him. And really for us all to commit on a regular basis to pray for all the men and women who are serving in the armed forces here in the United States. Um, Just incredible work that they're doing, and I'm so very grateful for them. As usual, you can get a free app for this podcast. All you have to do is go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash Apple app or forward slash Android app, depending on the type of phone you have. Oh, and that makes me remember uh, this new social media thing called Periscope. Have you heard of it? It is so super cool. It's like podcasting except live and on-demand right where you are on your phone. And I tried to do my very first broadcast on Periscope this last week. And I was so disappointed to discover that my Android phone, which is a Galaxy S4, the app has a glitch, the Periscope app, and it does not allow broadcasting of video from my phone. And so I'm so disappointed and I'm looking for a solution to this because I really want to engage with you all on Periscope, and I'd love to interact and get feedback from you. And so, if you think of it, you can find me on Periscope at Jackie underscore Watkins. Um, follow me there, and pretty soon, I hope to be able to engage with you there and just chat with you, and we can get to know each other even more and see each other in real time. I'm really looking forward to exploring that some more. So, if you have time, download the Periscope app and. Follow me on Periscope and we will uh, interact soon. I can't wait for that. Hopefully, if they either fix the glitch or maybe I need to get a new phone, I think that might be an option. <laughs> oh, as usual, you can also get a free audiobook today by going to mudstoriesbook.com and you know that would be free for you all you have to do is sign up for a free 30-day trial and you download your audiobook today and you have 30 days to cancel that uh, trial if you don't want to keep it but you do get to keep the audiobook and a portion of your membership goes back to support this podcast and i'd be so grateful if you want to check out audiobooks uh, mudstoriesbook.com Please know you mean so much to me. The fact that you would take me on your walk today or take me to the gym with you or that I can hang out with you while you're doing dishes or driving your car or sitting at your desk or whatever it is you're doing, I am just beyond grateful that you have join me today and that you have listened to the previous episodes of this podcast. And if you've missed them, go back and peruse through. I, I know sometimes people have told me based on the particular mud story topic that's listed in the title. But I promise you, you guys, just because a title doesn't seem like you can relate to that topic. These people who are sharing on this podcast are incredible. I handpicked them myself. And I think each and every episode has something incredible for you. And so I'd encourage you to go Back through the history of this podcast this last year and check out some of those episodes. I would be beyond grateful if you would go over to iTunes and please subscribe to this podcast so that it comes to you just as soon as I release each episode. I'm trying for Tuesdays or Wednesdays this summer to release to you. And so. You can be on the lookout on Tuesdays or Wednesdays for new podcast episodes, but if you subscribe in iTunes or get the free app, it will notify you right away as the podcast is released and you will make sure not to miss even one episode. Also, while you're in iTunes, it would mean the world to me if you've enjoyed this podcast at all, if you would go just leave even one sentence review on iTunes. Each and every review that's submitted to iTunes for this podcast helps Uh, Tell iTunes to show this podcast to more people and that makes more people be able to be encouraged and inspired by the transparency and authenticity that these guests offer. And so today, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been or what mud lies ahead for you, may you find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day.
1: Never you mother fails to press upon my mind a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer place again A never-ending mother feels a press upon my mind Oh, that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the plane And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your merciful safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe embrace as a grateful song to sing. A grateful song to sing.